This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin. Made by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm great, Dean. How are you? Is your computer warmed up yet? I am great. I just keep pedaling as fast as I can under the desk. Keep doing it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Technology. Technology. We love it. Uh, <laughs> it's not as predictable. Well, I was going to say it's not as predictable as what goes on in the garden, but I guess it's kind of the same thing, right? We never really, sometimes we expect one thing and we get something entirely different. Absolutely. And sometimes we think we're in control. And at the end of the day, we're not. (laughs) We're not. No. And well, you know, one thing I have learned, I think even in this last, you know, year and a half, couple of years with you is that I think things are kind of cyclical, even reflecting on my own garden. You know, things can go along, trip along for a decade. And then if all the parts are different and the sun patterns and the rain patterns and whatever, and then it can be different and it really kind of throws us for a loop. And it does. And it's funny, you know, sometimes I I say to people, um, and I've had this happen as well, you purchase a plant, you read all about it, you've got a real good sense of how tall it's going to be, what color it's going to be, you know, a perennial, for example, and you put it in the garden and lo and behold, it's nothing like what you expected. And it's like, well, why didn't this plant read the book or at least its own label? (laughs) Like it's supposed to be two feet tall, but mine is four or it's supposed to be pink, but it's actually magenta. And I guess sun patterns like we have we have uh, peonies at the end of our driveway, but one does always better than the other. And I think it's just that it gets a tiny bit more sunlight than the other one. And it's just a matter of 15 feet. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's, and the trees grow. And we forget that, that our, yeah. you know, I, you design a garden to go with the existing conditions. And then, yeah, 10, 15 years later, the conditions have definitely changed. Gotcha. So listen, okay. What? Yeah, you do the numbers. I yeah, I'll do the numbers. Quick announcements. Okay, sure. Yeah. So we would love for you to call if you have any questions about your garden, what's happening, what's not happening, what maybe has been unexpected, and you need uh, Charlie to, to help figure it out for you. Uh, if you live in Toronto, the number is 416 360 Or if you live outside Toronto, anywhere else in the province of Ontario, it is a toll free call. And this is the number you should use 1 866 740. 4740. Okay. And uh, do let uh, Ashy know and Duncan if you are a first time caller. And uh, I will give you your garden wings. We would love for you to call often. We would love for you to call early. And I can see the phone lines are starting to light up now. And please, please, one question per call. That really helps uh, give everybody a chance to ask their questions. And if you have a second question, you hang up the phone and you call us back again. Okay. So you had a quick announcement, did you? Uh, If there's time, I'll just say quickly that tomorrow, anybody in the Toronto area, Sunday, September 10th, 12.30 p.m. in the afternoon, by Zoom and in person, the Toronto Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society is meeting at the Toronto Botanical Gardens Floral Hall. 
Paul Spriggs will be speaking on my favorite crevice garden plants. How's that for a special? Ooh. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, and we have a, I have an, a great announcement about an upcoming guest for next week, but I'll hold that for after the break. Okay, sweet. Okay, we're going to take that break right now, but we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, you do have The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, you said before the break that you have a special announcement about a guest next week, yeah? I do, and this is going to be fun because next Saturday, instead of you in your home studio and me in my home studio, we're going to be in the studio at the Zoomerplex in Toronto, and joining us will be Paul Oliver from the Urban Nature Store. And you know, you always have a million questions for him, and I know some our, our most most gardeners are also big fans of birds. So get your questions ready. Paul wants to talk about preparing your bird feeders for winter. Who are you feeding? How are you feeding them? Any questions around, you know, the raccoons that fly onto your feeders or squirrels or any of that yep. stuff. He's ready for any of it. So everybody just know that next week, Paul Oliver is with us for the whole hour. And we're happy to talk all about urban nature. Fabulous. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I, I've, we've had him on the show before, but I think I've been in my home studio at the time, so I get to meet him in person this time. Love That's, it. Yep. Excellent. Okay, let's go to our first caller. We have Lauren on the line, and she's calling from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Lauren. Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I bought four small Wichila shrubs, I believe that's what they're called. They've gained about 10 inches They're 10 inches taller than when I bought them. They're doing very well. Two of the four are flowering at the moment. Uh, Some people are telling me I should cut them back a bit and thicken them up, but they look really good and thick at the moment. So I'm wondering about that. And also I'm wondering if I should um, uh, bind them up with uh, some covering. Mm -hmm. Okay. If, uh, when it snows heavy. Uh, uh, so, Lauren, did you plant these wajila this past spring? I, I put them in in July. Oh, my. Okay, so perfect. Do not do any pruning on them now. Just let them do their thing, uh, whether they're flowering or not flowering. Just, you know, for now, the main thing is let them settle in. Um, as usual, we're looking for the plants to get established, to grow some roots. So no fertilizer, water as necessary, but I think you've been getting plenty of rain in the GTA, unlike me. And uh, so just let them be. When it comes to winter, no, no tying up per se. If they're in a very windy spot um, or a spot where you're concerned that, um, yeah, they might just be struggling with too much sun or too much, what you know, whatever, you can pile some leaves around them for the winter. You know, as the leaves are falling off the trees and they're dry and crunchy, just sort of jam some leaves in around the crown of the wajila. So that's yeah. in under the branches at ground level. But no string, no burlap, none of that fancy stuff. They should be fine. Oh, great. Well, Thank you so much for the information. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling. It's so Thank funny you. about Wajila. I am. I have a couple here in my garden, and my and I, I've learned. I didn't know this, but 
Cats love Wajila. There's something about that plant. They, they'll come from miles around. You know, my cat knows where those plants are. And as soon as there's a flower, he's over there and he's eating the flowers. He just he loves the flowers. There's nothing toxic about them. And it's just so funny to watch, like a cat lying in a pink shrub with its mouth full of pink petals. It's just <laughs> yeah. like the wackiest vision. Like, why are you doing that? But he does it. <laughs> well, thank you Love very stuff. much. Well, yeah, thanks, and, and and have a great day, and it sounds like already a success. My goodness, for planting them in July, already yeah. a great success with the Wajila there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, let's go to, you know what, uh, yeah, let's go to our next caller. We've got Helen on the line. She's calling from Scarborough, okay? Welcome to the Garden Show, Helen. Okay, um, let's go to, you know what, uh, yeah, let's go to our next caller. We've got Helen on the line. She's calling from Oh, Helen. Helen, you need to turn down your radio. Oh, okay. Just one moment, then I will turn it down. <laughs> Good ears. Okay, I was going, there you go. What am I hearing? Okay, hello. <laughs> hello what, what's your question there for uh, for Charlie there? Helen? Uh, first of all, I love your show, Charlie. Very, very nice. I listen every week. Um, I have a morning glory I planted. Um, I wanted particularly wanted the heavenly blue, which I bought. I planted the whole... A package around a pole grew beautifully. Loads and loads and loads and loads of leaves. No flowers. What's happened Aww. here? You know why? Because why you're that? being too good of a mother. <laughs> tough love. Morning glory, oh. similar to nasturtium, they thrive with tough love. So no oh. fertilizer, no water, no sweet thoughts. Just go out there and abuse that plant. <laughs> Tell it. <laughs> Tell it that you planted it because you want flowers, so so get them going. And, um, yeah, and not – the other thing with Morning Glory, the, the poorer the soil, the more flowers you'll get. So I know oh, it, that yeah. flies in the face of most <laughs> advice I give, but um, when it comes to that, those plants, they really, really need to be given. Really? Put, plant them and in gravel. Said, they'll be happy. Really? And you said nasturtiums, too. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, okay. nasturtiums are very uh, similar. Have, too much Charlie, love, I have too much morning, care. Sorry. I, I have morning glory growing with loads of flowers on the pole about six foot away. It's got loads of flowers, but they're not the color I want. So it's so unreal. Like there's le It looks beautifully healthy. <laughs> too healthy, right? So yes, yes. Um, just no water, nothing? Yeah, no water, no fertilizer, because that when you do care for a plant like Morning Glory, you do get a lot of leaves. So a yeah. little bit of um, neglect, and you should get some flowers. So there's some chance that it, they will still flower this summer? Like, is it possible? Yeah, it's only, okay. yeah, we've still got lots of time before there's any okay. frost, and it'll be frost that brings them okay. down. So Okay, thank know. you so much, Charlie. Love your show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the call. I love that. Neglect. Walk by and snub the plant. Exactly. Walk, Yell at it on your way by. Maybe love turn it. on like ACDC music or something. Something that'll make it really unhappy. You got it. Okay. We're going to go to our next break. We'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
Hey there, welcome back to The Garden Show on Zoom Radio with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, Charlie, let's uh, go to our next caller right now. We have uh, Michael on the line. He's calling from Etobicoke. Welcome to The Garden Show, Michael. Good morning. Good morning to you both. Um, uh, Charlie, I have a question uh, with regards to uh, planting and transplanting uh, evergreen shrubs at this time of the year. Uh, Normally, I would uh, uh, really, without much thought, put root boost, some kind of uh, liquid fertilizer as I'm planting them to, uh, you know, stabilize them for the transplanting. But at this time of the year, and your cautions about not fertilizing, I'm a little bit confused as to what I should do with respect to planting and transplanting evergreen shrubs at this time of the year. Okay, it's a great question, Michael. Thank you for asking it. Um, Whenever we plant a plant, including evergreens, but at this time of year, you could be, you know, moving or planting perennials, you know, herbaceous perennials or trees of any kind. It's always, always a good idea to use a starter fertilizer. So something that will um, promote root growth. So there are synthetic fertilizers out there, as you know, uh, plant start, uh, I think it's a 515.5 are the numbers on the bottle, Mm -hmm. Uh, a liquid that you mix with water. You can use bone meal, which would be the organic uh, supplement that will, again, put phosphorus around the plant roots as you're planting. Any of those work. So yes, I would recommend, or what I've been doing in the last couple of years is not so much using the chemical fertilizer or even the bone meal, but I've been using mycorrhiza. Um, So I've been using a product called Root Rescue, and this is fungus. (laughs) This is dormant little fungal spores that you mix with water and you pour that around the roots. So what happens is the fungus starts to grow, the roots start to grow, and together they both grow bigger and better. There's a symbiotic relationship between the fungus in the soil, the mycorrhiza, which is just an all-purpose name for a lot of different kinds of organisms, and and the actual roots. So yes, anything you do to promote root growth when you're planting even at this time of year is a great idea. Just don't use a general, you know, evergreen food like a 30-10-10. None of that until next spring. Okay, that's that's a really good idea. I've not heard of this before, so that's excellent. Thank you no, so good. much. Appreciate it. You're very, very welcome. Yeah, Google Root Rescue, and you will be able to buy it certainly in a garden center, maybe at, at like a home, you know, some of the home stores, though I don't think they have such great, they have more just synthetic fertilizers, but... Certainly, Google Root Rescue. Is that a water down? So it's a very local product, and it does. It is designed for the Ontario climate and soils. Excellent. Okay, going to give those numbers out again. We have lines open. Uh, if you live in Toronto, four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Or the toll-free number for people who live outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, one eight six six seven forty. Four seven forty. Let's go our, to our next caller, which is Joan in uh, Burlington. Welcome to the Garden Show, Joan. Thank you very much, and good morning to both of you. My question is about potted plants that I, I either received or purchased. First, the citronella and the um, hydrangea. Um, do I can I plant them in the garden or for the winter? Do I trim them down, or will they survive in pots in the in the garage? Okay, good question. So citronella. 
is used as a, a mosquito plant. So we put those on our patios and rub the leaves and it gives off a real lemony um, aroma. And it's mm-hmm. supposed to help with, you know, keeping the bugs down. It is a form of pelargonium. And of course, pelargonium is geranium, which is an annual plant. So the citronella will not survive outside. It could survive in your home over the winter on a sunny windowsill. Uh, you slow right down on your watering and just put it in a bright, sunny spot if you have that. In the garage, questionable. Depends how cold your garage is and whether there's any light in your garage or not. Sometimes people <clears throat> will allow these plants to go semi-dormant, pulling back on the watering particularly, but it does need light in order to stay alive. Okay. Uh, hydrangea, I assume that's a florist hydrangea. Maybe you received it around Easter or Mother's Day. And mm-hmm. the question is, will it survive? Again, probably not. The florist, floral or florist hydrangeas are not hardy enough to overwinter outside, but you'd be surprised. Sometimes they do. You know, if you if you love it and you're not sure, if in doubt, I'd bring it in for the winter. If you want to try the garage thing, you could, but you could also just try planting that hydrangea into a, you know, morning sun location, good fertile you know, um, soil that holds moisture but isn't soggy, and it may survive the winter uh, this winter. I've certainly had them survive a couple of winters uh, back in my um, Richmond Hill garden. Thank you. I'm having problems. I have a new phone system installed yesterday. I couldn't quite catch all of it, but I get the general gist of it. Now, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Jim. And and remember, if you do miss something or I talk too fast. This show is podcast. You can always listen again, assuming you've got a computer with speakers you, um, or a phone. You can just go to um, am740.ca podcasts, The Garden Show. Absolutely. Uh, a little a quick update. Uh, you, uh, you received an email uh, from one of your listeners, Dimitri. Who sent a very interesting email, I think, in regarding moles, because we were talking about moles. Was it last week? Uh, it comes up from time to time. People have these horrid problems. And I remember that the listener had free range chickens, which was a bit of a problem because he didn't want to put down anything toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- what uh, Dimitri has said, is he says, try using used kitty litter. I know. Yeah. And he says, apparently, just pour some down the holes and the culprits will leave. In a hurry, they will get the heck out of there. So used kitty litter. It kind of makes sense, actually, because used kitty litter has got a smell of a larger animal than a mole. And uh, any mole that's got any brains at all wants to avoid cats. So, yeah, I think that the trick, of course, is going back and finding those entrance holes and exit holes. Uh, It was Dawn who who called last week on that subject. So hopefully he's listening and maybe he's got a cat. If not, I'm happy to share some kitty litter. Yeah. Well, and, and in all fairness, there would be probably somebody in your neighborhood, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, th- in this day and age, you just post it online. Say, I'm looking for some used kid. I'll, <laughs> I'll bet you have some takers there. <laughs> be careful. You might have a you might have a whole truckload. Yeah, a truckload in front of your house. Yeah. Between that and juicy fruit gum, I think he's, he's all good to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. OK, uh, let's go to our next caller. We have uh, John. Calling from Mississauga. How are you? Good morning and welcome to the Garden Show, John. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Dean. Um, Charlie, my special, uh, my fruit trees. Yes. Um, my peach tree this year, uh, it gave me around 50, 60 pounds. 
my cut a bushel. And, um, okay, once I cut them, and you, if you eat them right away, it's fine. But I'm not going to eat 40, you know, whatever. So I put them down the basement, and as soon as I put them down the basement, they start getting rotten. What's the situation? Well, I guess it's probably, I mean, <clears throat> peaches aren't known for long-term storage. You would need to have them refrigerated, uh, and I assume maybe your basement you do. Is it like a root cellar that you got down there? No, I don't, Charlie. It's just uh, regular. But what right. happened is then I jarred what I could, you know, but yeah. it's yeah, it frustrating, normal. to be honest with you, because believe me, some of them are as big as a tennis ball. It's it's DeLoring, DeLoring type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so great. You know, I thought you were going to have a problem with your peach tree, and I was going to say, John, guess why all the peaches are grown in Niagara and not Mississauga? So <laughs> good for you. I'm glad you've had such a good harvest. Um, You know what? Maybe, okay, this might be a bit off the wall, but uh, if you've got that much and it's that fresh, get them over to the food bank. They will happily take perishable foods into a food bank where they can rapidly get them out to people. Well, to tell you the truth, Charlie, I, I hate to say this. My food bank is, is my two kids and my and my two cousins. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what I did. But but yeah, I'm not gonna that. give you, I'm not gonna give them sort of the one that that they start getting rotten sort of. And then I realized. Then I did fr froze maybe uh, a basket sort of. Um, mm. But it's frustrating. But is there anything in the tree, sort of? Because I sprayed with dormant oil and uh, twice. I sprayed with Bordeaux. Okay. Um, but what? Uh, honest, it's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, but it's a, not a bad complaint. Usually, it's one or the other, right? It's either not enough or too much. But you know, you've done the right things, caring for the tree, and now, yeah, now the challenge is dealing with the harvest. Preserving, as you said, canning is the classic way for preserving peaches. Yeah, but okay. but you don't uh, because let's let's put it this way. I mean, I don't put anything after. I'm sure the people in Niagara or whatever. All the farmers, I'm sure they put something to preserve them, to send them to the market, no? Uh, you know what, good question. I think it's more refrigeration than anything, but I can look it up and see what, yeah, I mean, there, certainly storage of perishable crops is a, a whole huge science unto itself. And, um, you know, when, when uh, fruit uh, travels, it's an issue. And that's why we only really get fresh peaches for one short month or two months every year because peaches mm. are not known for their longevity and storage. But you don't think there's anything wrong with the tree sort of? No, not at all. No, yeah. no, yeah. no. It's all good. And I wouldn't worry about, you know, dormant oil, all that sort of stuff. None of that is toxic. That's no, no biggie yeah. that way. Yeah. Okay, Charlie. Thank you very okay. much. Have a great day. Thank okay. you. Yeah, thanks for the call there, John. I, I'm, you know what? I'm smelling a road trip. I between your tomatoes and John's peaches, I'm smelling a road trip. I'm like gonna you know, just jump in my car and just swing by, pick up some tomatoes from you because you apparently have an abundance of them. I and, do. Uh, oh, I, hey, guess what I made this week? I made gazpacho. Oh, nice. Yeah, the cold tomato soup. Yeah, gazpacho. Exactly. I made tomato sauce. I I did not grow tomatoes, but at one of the local grocery stores this past week they were selling half bushel boxes for under ten dollars and so i went in and i bought uh on the roma 
and I kept I just roasted them in batches. Uh, I prefer the roasting than the uh, and then the skin slip off. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, made sauce. So uh, made go. yeah, bunch of sauce. Well, I think it's been a bumper crop of tomatoes across the, the province. I mean, that's why you're you're seeing them for good prices. Yeah, and that's true with a lot of the um, agricultural harvest this year. It's been a it's been a good year, generally speaking. I think good. that prices are good. Local prices, if you can, you know, grab the corn while you can, grab the peaches while you can, because this doesn't go on forever. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Okay, uh, let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Chris on the line. Chris is calling from Uxbridge. Welcome to the Garden Show, Chris. Thank you. I have a tree peony that is approximately at least 40 years old. It flowered beautifully when it flowered, but the leaves, even before it started to flower, the leaves are all turning yellow. Is it lacking something? I have others in the garden, and they're not doing this at all. You have other tree peonies? Yes. Wow. And they're as green as green. Nice. Well, okay. So when you have yellow leaves, it depends where the yellow is. If it's just kind of a, a, a the, the veins on the leaves the are still green. green. But, what's that? Uh, yellow, sorry. The whole leaf is yellow on yeah, the whole yeah. plant. Yeah. So, okay. And, the, and that said, you said it, the yellowing started before the flowering. So this yeah. was back in May or June. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what, what I would do to, so that you were doing the right thing for sure is I would do a soil test, very simple soil test. Um, you can pick up a pH tester at your local you know, home store or garden center. Check the pH of the soil around that plant. A 40-year-old tree peony is one big old tree peony. So um, what I would do is double check the, the pH and you will be doing that because it would appear that there is some nutritional, there's some lack of nutrient happening. And uh, you do want to fertilize, not now, but next spring with an appropriate fertilizer or later, even like November, you could put fertilizer down. But just let's make sure you're putting the right fertilizer down. You don't do it now. That's all. You just wait until um, plants are virtually dormant. Fertilizer can be put down for trees, evergreens. A tree peony, peony is a very small tree. And uh, and then that fertilizer is there in the spring. But um, you are looking for a pH. I'm just double checking. It's likely uh, going to want a pH that's very neutral. So you want a pH very, very close to 7, like a 6.8, 6.9. Uh, yes, neutral or slightly alkaline. Um, loamy soil. Make sure you've got, have you been adding any organic matter to the soil around that plant over the years? No. Okay. So that's going to be, put that on your calendar. You could even do that now. Get a hold of, um, if it's, it's just that one plant, then yeah. you just need to go buy one bag of composted manure. But if you're thinking about the whole garden needs a top dressing, then you've got some really good soil suppliers around you in the Uxbridge area. And they, they'll they bring you a, a one cubic yard bag or a five cubic yard truckload, whatever you want, of quality organic-based um, soil of one kind or another. There's multi things out there, but you want to get um, get the organic matter into your soil because the soil could be quite depleted after 40 years and you sure don't move tree peonies. So it's staying where it is. You've got to amend the soil. Thank you very much. Enjoy your Thanks. show. Thank you. Thank Bye. you.
Okay, yeah, thanks so much, Chris. Uh, Charlie, before we go to break, quick question to that end, because you talk about amending the soil a lot. And uh, I think I've told you before that back in the day when we owned our first house, we had a a composter in the back, and I I prided myself. I was very good at it and cut up everything very small, and I would get uh, compost every year to put on the garden. And then with uh, with the green bin, programs i've gotten completely away from that don't do it anymore so what i've been thinking about is actually re-putting in a composter and just putting in uh, you know meat things that i cannot compost in the green bin and taking the organic matter where where's the ideal place in a yard to put a composter so it does its job properly oh that's a good question uh ideally it's close enough to your back door that you'll use it right yeah. you don't want it like way down in the back 40 because you'll never go down there okay. so keep it reasonably close put it in it should be on soil so it doesn't go on a patio or on a deck it goes where there's soil below yeah. it should receive at least half a day of sun because okay. you need that sunshine to heat up the blood usually they're black eh? the composters yeah so you need that heat that'll stimulate the breaking down uh, or decomposing of the whatever you throw in there your okay. coffee grounds your eggshells your banana peels um and other than that yeah you've got to feed the composter with your your wet vegetation but every now and then you got to throw in some dry leaves you know you've got to mix it up the browns and the greens you do also have to add water every now and then and you need to stir every now and then and i actually bought red worms red wigglers to put into my composters because that those little guys they are amazing. Like they'll just chew up your your coffee grounds faster than you can say coffee grounds. So um, you can make compost very very quickly if you've got the the red wigglers doing the work for you. Okay, beautiful. I love it. Okay, we have to uh, go to our next break, but we will be right back with much more on the garden show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, welcome back to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, we have um, we have an intriguing caller on the line. We have somebody that wants to say hi and is calling all the way from Southern California. So uh, welcome to The Garden Show, John. Good morning, Dean and Charlie. Morning. Good morning, Dean. I'm calling to get my garden wings. Oh, okay, there you go. Good point. Woohoo! There you All are. Right. Congratulations. So, so Charlie, um, I've been listening to your podcast for years and years and years. Um, we've actually exchanged emails in the past as well, but I've never had an opportunity to call in because of our time zone difference and me being uh, on the opposite side of the continent. Um, mm. But I just wanted to call in because I happened to be in New York this weekend for the National Bonsai Expo. Um, and so we are in the same time zone. Um, you have inspired me so much. And um, as a result, I actually became a master gardener uh, in our local county a few years ago. And I'm on the Speakers Bureau, and I'm also involved on a radio team. So just wanted to call in and, and say hi, finally. Um, you know, and, and thank you for everything you're doing for not just the, you know, your local community, but I, I believe worldwide. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And um, it is my pleasure. It is my pleasure to help others be successful and and get the gardening bug like I have it. Fantastic. And uh, I don't know if Frank still listens uh, here and there, but if he does, I I hope he's doing well. 
Um, and th- I don't have a question for you guys. I just wanted to call in and say hello. Thank you. Thanks again. Well, I will certainly send a big hello to Frank. I do speak with him every couple of weeks. He's um, he's retired. He's enjoying. He's the guy with the feet up and the, the coffee cup in hand now. Very good. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Uh, I will keep listening to the podcast. Keep up the great work. Fabulous. Thanks so much it for the call. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I want to give him some more wings. <laughs> there you go. He's got some more wings because, holy cow, what a nice. Uh, so he's from Southern California, but calling from New York State. So yeah, and he go. needed those extra wings to get back to California. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, we can jump into our next call now. We have Don on the line. Don is calling from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Don. Thank you for taking my call. I seem to be having a little problem with my roses. Mm-hmm. In the last couple of weeks, all the leaves are falling off. I have about mm-hmm. 150 different varieties, mm-hmm. but all the leaves, one after another, they start to curl up, yellow, black yeah. spots, dropping, yeah. and what I do, I pick them and I throw them away. Why is this happening? Uh, I, that would be because of the kind of summer we've had. Oh, where you are, you've uh, like I'm not getting the kind of rain you've been getting, but I understand it's a bit rare uh, situation where the rain isn't falling in Toronto this past summer. So, you know, I was talking to my brother yesterday and he said all his neighbors, they want to paint their deck or stain their fence and they can't do it because every time the sun comes out, it rains the next day. So it's just been a lot of moisture, a lot of humidity and your roses are suffering from fungal disease. Black spot is a fungal disease. You probably have some powdery mildew as well. And nothing you can do about it. Don't don't be overly concerned. We, we're into almost the middle of September. What you're doing is right. Good garden hygiene. Keep those leaves raked up, picked up, bagged, and off the property. Don't keep them to compost them. Brown bag and out they go. Um, and, and don't worry. Um, I'm not sure if your roses need to be hilled if you typically hill them for the winter, but you will do that if you normally do. Um, the tougher shrub roses, roses that are not grafted, we don't usually put hills of soil, but any of the tender roses we do. And then next spring, you're just going to find there'll be a certain amount of deadwood and cutting back as per normal and fertilizing next spring. But that for now, yeah, it's a, trying it's, to deadhead them which, because I've noticed that every rose inside has one of those beetles, which I yes. literally take by hand and I squish them. So it, it's not them. It's just the hydration then. It is. It's the humidity and the moisture levels. And remember, air circulation is really important yep, going yep, forward. Yep. When it so when you're pruning next spring, keep that in mind. Like don't don't hesitate to prune, like hard prune these roses in case they tend to get really huge, and all of a sudden the air isn't circulating the way you want it to by July. Cut them back hard in the spring so they won't be as large by July, and you might have fewer issues with disease. Phenomenal. I have one more question, if it's feasible. I collect all my seeds. I do my seeds. How do I dry my seeds naturally? I try to put them in a, in, under a hot light to quicken them up. Now, is that the proper way to do it, or I should just let them do naturally? Okay, so that's a good question. And of course, you just broke the rules asking it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to direct you to a website. I'm just going to double check. I think it's seeds.ca or or Seeds of Canada. There's a great, great website. 
um, Seed Storage, Seeds Canada, Seeds. Tell you what, Charlie, Charlie, we're going to run to break now, okay? Yeah, and then we, after we come break, you can give that website, and uh, we will uh, we'll make sure we address it before the end of the show, okay? We'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey there, welcome back to the Garden Show. And you know, we're in our last segment. We might we have one caller on the line. Probably have time for maybe one more question. Here are the numbers again. Toronto, 416-360-0740 or toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Pick up that phone, give us a call, and uh, we will uh, we'll endeavor to get that question answered. Charlie, go ahead. I yeah. just want thank you. I just wanted to say seeds.ca. Seeds.ca. Yeah, seeds of diversity, seeds.ca. Everything you want to know about saving seeds, storing seeds, growing seeds, swapping seeds, all of it. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have Richard on the line. He's calling from Guelph. Welcome to the Garden Show, Richard. Oh, thank you very much. I have a privet hedge that's about six foot tall, and I would like to cut that thing back so it's easier for me to uh, keep it pruned. I use a ladder at the moment. I'd like to bring it down a couple of feet. Is that a possible thing? For sure. Um, remember, though, if you took two feet off of it right now, it's going to grow back probably two feet next year, right? Oh, okay. Or maybe a foot. So just so you know, the great thing about Privet Hedge, you can, if you want to, I've seen this, it's crazy, but it works. Uh, in about a month, so in October, you get out your chainsaw or whatever you need, and you can cut that hedge down to about six inches tall, just right across the whole thing, right down a f- six inches tall, a foot tall, whatever works for you. It will look pretty god-awful throughout the winter, but next spring, it will be perfect. Wow, that's awesome. I will do that. Yeah, okay, it's called rejuvenation, you so if you want to Google it. Yeah. Hedge rejuvenation and privet, love it. They really, really respond well to a very hard pruning. But like I said, wait a month or so before you do it. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Yeah, yeah thanks for the question there, Richard. I would Bye-bye. be terrified to do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, oh, trust me, it looks really horrible when you do it. It's like, what? You just killed all those blades. Oh, my gosh. But it actually does work. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Privet hedge. And what ex- I'm not actually clear on what exactly privet hedge is. Uh, it's very, it's a, um, it's a deciduous, deciduous shrub that just very simple green leaves, nothing, nothing fancy, Sw- nice, fragrant white flowers when it flowers, okay. very commonly used for hedging because it can grow tight together and it doesn't lose all its leaves. It gives very nice coverage and privacy, uh, but it is deciduous, so it does drop all its leaves in the winter. Um, it does often get infested with Manitoba maple and all kinds of weeds start coming from below. The soil gets very tired and these hedges can last for years and years, and that's why rejuvenation can be a really good thing. Get okay. Cut it all down, get all the weeds out, freshen up that soil, you know, amend, amend lots of organic matter, and try, it will look like brand new plants next spring they'll just come up and be all green and juicy and fresh wow fabulous okay so uh, ross in richmond hill he took the cue he jumped on the phone welcome to the garden show ross hello morning hi there what do you got for charlie hey. there ross um 
I've got uh, tomatoes still on my tomato plant, and uh, I was wondering if I could just cut the green ones off now. Is that okay, or should I leave them on a little longer? Yeah, why rush them to take them off? I, I don't know. That's why I was just wondering, you know. <laughs> and right. uh, also, yes, once, no. once I do take them off, will you just pull the plants out because they can't reproduce, right? No, though if any tomatoes drop to the ground, the seeds may grow next year in your garden. And some people let that that those volunteer tomato plants come up next year. But don't, I wouldn't rush and take green tomatoes off. If there was a frost in the forecast, I would say yes. You got to get what you can before the frost. But we're well away from a frost, so leave those tomatoes. Keep looking after them, water them, fertilize them. Unlike, you know, remember I said don't fertilize anything, but you can fertilize your annual plants, your tomatoes, your petunias, and right. uh, tomatoes, potatoes, eggplants. They can all take some fertilizer now. And yeah, once the, I I let my tomatoes uh, stay on the plant until they're almost perfect. And then I cut them off and I just bring them in so that overnight they sit on the window ledge and then they're edible the next day or ready for the freezer or the, the stew pot, as the case may be. But, yeah, don't rush and and, and take the, the plant down now. You don't need to. Yeah, mine's uh, just about seven and a half feet high. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Good for you. It's been a great year for tomatoes. Well, I got a rain barrel, so I've been feeding it with the rainwater. It's the best. It's the best and, water. Uh, Good for you. Yeah, I guess the, the average... Tomato is about 16 ounces. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah BLT is everywhere. That's okay. what I'm having after the show. Bacon, Thank lettuce, you. tomato. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. I'm there. There you go. Thanks for the call, Thanks, Rob. Ross. Um, Charlie, let's just do a little recap again. Next week, Paul Oliver is going to be in the show, right? That's right. He's going to be on the show, and you and I are... All together, all three of us are in studio next Saturday. So 9 a.m., The Garden Show, Paul Oliver from the Urban Nature Store. He wants to talk about, he wants to hear your questions, and he's happy to provide tips and techniques on preparing your bird feeders for winter to support the, your local bird population. Right, because it can be a bit frustrating because other things, depending on where you put the bird feeders in that, other things can get into them that we don't necessarily want them to get in, right? I've, se I've, I've seen some squirrels take some pretty daring jumps to get into a bird feeder. <laughs> yeah, so he'll talk about different bird feeders for just that purpose, I'm sure. But he'll also want to talk about different feed for different birds, which is important. You know, for me, the, the Blue Jays have come back, and boy, are they loud. I don't know. I guess they were up north mm -hmm. all summer, and now I've got like flocks of blue jays just squawking and uh you know it, so it's really interesting watching the migration the birds coming the birds going moving through the hummingbirds are still here at my place but i know they're heading south any day now so we're watching for them so great well thank you dean thanks ashley thank you. just and duncan couldn't do any of this without you guys great callers appreciate all of your calls see you again next week this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.